Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. I don't know if you realize it today, but it has been said that when empires conquered weaker nations, they used a variety of tactics. And the tactics were often military first to conquer the nation, but then they would use political and spiritual means to shape the people that they conquered. They would use colonial strategies, which we know very well about in South Africa, to change the language and the culture and the behaviors of the people that they conquered. And when you study the Bible, you see when the Babylonians conquered Israel, they didn't just conquer them militarily, they conquered them spiritually and culturally as well. And you read in the book of Daniel that four men, Daniel and his three friends, were taken captive in Babylon and they began to indoctrinate them and colonize them, if you like, to try and get rid of the lifestyle and the values of the Israelites and to indoctrinate them in the Babylonian culture, in its beliefs, in its values, and in its faith. Now, it has been said too that today we're living in a digital Babylon where we're constantly being colonized by social media, by news broadcasts, by the various platforms that are trying to get across their opinions and their views and their values. And the problem is people are succumbing to it because they have forgotten that Christians are exiles and strangers. We're actually not citizens of this world. And the more you try to be included and the more you try to fit in, the more you're being colonized by digital Babylon. And there's pressure to fit in instead of to stand out. And so today I want to speak to you on living as exiles and strangers in digital Babylon. Because we're facing a digital Babylon, not a literal nation, but a variety of digital means that are trying to shape our thinking, our values, and they're trying to colonize us, which people understand very well. They're trying to colonize us to their way of thinking, and we need to resist it as believers. Now, I read a fantastic book in researching for this message, having prepared some weeks ago. I came across this book just this last week, and it's called Faith for Exiles, written by the president of the Barner Institute, a man called David Kinnaman, and his friend, Mark Matlock. In the book, they discussed this, and they coined the phrase, Digital Babylon. And the startling thing about this book, and another book they've written, which I don't have time to mention, is that they say 64% of young adults who attended church sporadically are now no longer attending church anymore. And then they said this, they said 59% of young adults who've been committed to church and attended church have also stopped and now they've completely fallen away. So the statistics of the influence that is being exerted on our young adults and our young people is great. And this is what they say about that influence. And I want to quote them. Here is what uh, David Kinnaman says. He says, deep spiritual longings, which ought to be lovingly tended and skillfully cultivated, are choked to death. Why? By binge television, immersive gaming, and social media scrolling. Digital Babylon has gripped the hearts and lives of our young people and it's influencing them, shaping them and colonizing them. And yet we need to remember we are exiles and strangers. We're not meant to fit in and flow with all this. 
Now, as I mentioned before, our key example is the book of Daniel. And Daniel and his three friends find themselves in Babylon. They find themselves being influenced. And they know what to allow and what not to allow in their lives. Now, it's important that we read scripture. It takes up time. Sometimes online the message feels a bit longer, but it's important for us to read scripture. Paul said to Timothy, give attention to the public reading of scripture. So let's read from Daniel chapter 1 and verse 3 and see how they were introduced to Babylon and we can see the parallels for our lives. It says here, then the king ordered Aspenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service. That's what the enemy is trying to do to Christians today. He's trying to get us into his service. Some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. They didn't just choose average people. That's why you'll notice when you're reading online how many great pastors and authors are giving up their faith and embracing ideas that are popular on digital Babylon because he's after the key people, the royal ones, the nobility. So we have to stand God. And it says here, Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve. Here it is again in the king's palace. Now here we see the colonization. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, indoctrinated. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. That's the goal of colonization, that you serve the king. You don't serve your God. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, he named Belteshazzar, name of a, a Babylonian god. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. But I love the next verse because it says this, but Daniel... In the face of colonization, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. So they get drawn into Babylon, first conquered militarily. Now spiritually, they're trying to colonize them and get them to follow uh, the, the, the language and the literature. In other words, they're, they're getting trained in the narrative of Babylon to think and speak like Babylonians. But Daniel and his friends draw a line. There's certain things they will not do because they recognize they are exiles and strangers in Babylon. Now, I don't know if you realize it today, we need to consider ourselves exiles and strangers in Babylon, not just go along with digital Babylon and everything that's being told to us. We can adopt some of its manner. We can know about it. We need to be informed. But we need to be people who step back and say, hang on a minute, thus far and no further, and we need to resolve not to be drawn into these things because we are exiles. We are living in another country. The Bible's full of people like this who stood out, like Joseph. Joseph was living in Babylon, if you like, in Egypt. And there they exerted influence over him. Even Potiphar's wife. She's a picture of those who have loose sexuality. He'll sleep with people at work as long as their husband doesn't find out. Come sleep with me, she says to him. But you know what? He decided he wouldn't do it. Why? I'm an exile and stranger in Egypt and I serve the living God and I will not adopt your language, your customs and your culture. And he stood out and it cost him prison. Now, if you read the New Testament, you see Jesus warning us as believers that we're in the world, but not of the world. And I'm amazed at how many Christians just go along with everything that digital Babylon tells them for fear of reprisal. Jesus said this in John chapter 15, and I'm going to read you two texts today. 
He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Hate, strong word. He says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. So many people trying to get likes on Instagram and on Twitter and to fit in with the narrative. Yeah, we're not against this and, and, we, don't, and we don't want to say that and, and we just want to be, spread the love of God. Yes, we do, but we want to speak as Jesus spoke. And here he says, if they hated me, they're going to hate you too. He says, as it is, you do not belong to the world. You're an alien, you're an exile, and you're a stranger. But I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Don't be surprised when people hate you for the values you espouse because they hate Jesus and they hate the word of God. Jesus goes on in John 17 to pray for his disciples. And he says, my prayer is not that you would take them out of the world. He's talking to the father, but that you would protect them from the evil one. In other words, they wouldn't be influenced, tempted to go along with his values and his system. Protect them, otherwise they're going to be diluted. He says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. And then he uses an important word, sanctify them, separate them, he says, by the truth, your word is truth. You see, we're in it, but we're separated from it because we're like exiles in Babylon. and We have a different way of thinking and a different value system. So we don't jump onto everything digital Babylon says because the world's values and its causes and its priorities should not be ours. You see, let me remind you, when the Bible says we've been born again, what it's saying is we were first born to a nationality and a culture physically, but then when we came to Christ, we were born again into a different kingdom. So we're in this physical kingdom, in this particular country, wherever we live, but we're not of this world and its systems and its values. We've been born again of a higher kingdom, so we're actually exiles and strangers on the earth. Paul uses the term in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and he says we are ambassadors ambassadors of Christ. You know, an ambassador is in a foreign country. He lives there and represents the other country. He holds the passport of the country he's from, but he lives in that country to be a representative, but he's not of that country. We need to get an understanding of this because we're exiles and strangers. Now, let me give you five things we need to do today, which will help us live as exiles and to get a sound understanding of what it is to be a Christian today. So firstly, number one, we need to acknowledge our spiritual nationality as primary. You need to acknowledge your spiritual nationality as primary. Not your natural nationality, your spiritual nationality needs to be the primary thing in your life. Your allegiance needs to be there. You're not only people of a natural country, you're people of a heavenly country. In 2 Corinthians 5.16, Paul tells us what has happened to us as Christians. In the English Standard Version, he says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. In other words, according to their natural birth. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We saw him as a Jew in Palestine. And it says we regard him thus no longer. We don't look at the first birth anymore. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
Now this word new creation, ketesis, in the Greek, it literally means a new species. We were once born physically, but then we were born again. So we've taken on a different nature. And it almost implies in the Greek that it's, we're now creations of God. And so we need to acknowledge our spiritual nationality much more important than where we were born. And people are, are, are caught up with that rather than their spiritual nationality, which is what we should have our allegiance. We're a new breed of people in our outlook and our practices and our eyes should be on heaven. Now let me take a moment here today to just explain some of this because it seems like we've just lost sight of this. It's like churches no longer teach on this. People are only getting taught frivolous and empty things instead of the substance of their faith. So the foundations are being eroded by digital Babylon. But let me give you a few verses here. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13 talks about people of faith, which we are. And it refers to how they saw their lives. It says, These all died not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. See, they knew we're just passing through. If you read the Jewish Bible's version of that, it says, While acknowledging that they were aliens and temporary residents, you know what a temporary resident is? You don't belong to that country. On the earth, for people who speak this way, make it clear that they're looking for a fatherland. Now, if they were, were to keep recalling the one they left, they would have an opportunity to return. But as it is, they aspire to a better fatherland, a heavenly one. This is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. God's not ashamed to be called their God. Why? Because their allegiance lies with him. Their eyes are on heaven. They understand that heaven is their destination and they haven't got their roots on earth trying to make earth work and fit in with earth. They are living according to a different value system. We need to understand what it means to be a foreign resident and to live in a foreign country. You know, if you travel around the world as I've done quite a bit, Especially when you go to Australia, I've been to Adelaide and Melbourne and Sydney. And you know what I've discovered? There's an Italian quarter. You go to this particular area in the city and all you have is Italian restaurants, Italian residents, and some of the people have been there 40 years and they can't even speak English. They only speak Italian. Now, when I first heard it, I thought, that's very odd. But you know what I discovered? They want the benefits and they want the protection of Australia, but they actually have their allegiance to another country. Travel around the world and go to a city like London and guess what you find there? In the middle of Great Britain, you find Chinatown. Why? Because people have come to live there, but they've retained their culture, their practices, and their identity because they didn't want to lose it. We as Christians need to do exactly the same. We live on earth, we participate on earth, we do business on earth, but we're actually exiles and strangers. So we need to keep that separation and that identity. Peter reminds us in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, to God's elect, he writes, exiles scattered throughout the provinces. In verse 17 of chapter 1 in the English Standard Version, he says, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. You see, we're living on the earth, but we're living as exiles. He goes on further in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11 to say, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. He's telling them how to live as exiles. And I want you to notice the context here, extremely important. He says, 
live such good lives among the pagans, a great distinction there, that though they accuse you of wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So even though they criticize you for your beliefs and your values, just keep living a good life. Don't let that put you off. You're an exile and a stranger. Now I want you to notice what he goes on to talk about. Because if you're not a citizen of that country, you need to be very careful how you behave. He now says here, and this is the context, it's just one flow, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. He said, well, what a, wait a minute, are you telling us? Yep, I am. He's not saying they're perfect. He's not saying they won't make mistakes. But he's saying you don't belong to this country, so don't get involved in all that stuff. Live as, a, as an exile. Give your very best and respect the authority because even though they're imperfect, God has put them there. So your, your allegiance shouldn't be to some nationality. It should be to your spiritual nationality because actually you're an exile and a stranger. He goes on to say here, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Now here's a bit of advice for Christians. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Now watch, he comes back. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Honor the emperor. Well, it was Nero at the time who burnt Christians by coating them in tar and set them on fire in his garden. You say, oh, is surely that? Yes, because you're not a citizen of Nero's, you're a citizen of the kingdom of God and you're an exile and stranger. And so you conduct yourself with respect because your first nationality is heaven, not earth. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11, in the Jewish Bible, and I love this translation, he says, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and temporary residents not to give in to the desires of your old nature which keep warring against you. You see, we live as temporary residents, so we don't get involved in all this stuff, and we submit to the authority of those around us. And, and we, when we see injustice, we do good, but we don't get caught up in the narrative of digital Babylon. You see, Jesus, when he stood before Pilate, he represented another kingdom, and he showed us how we should behave. Now notice this, this is very important. In John chapter 18, and I'm building a picture, I hope you're catching this today. It says here of Jesus, Jesus said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You see, so when we see things that are wrong, we don't get up and fight because we don't live by that kingdom firstly. We live by the heavenly kingdom. We're of another kingdom. We don't adopt the values of digital Babylon and we don't get set off by the values of digital Babylon. Why? Because we put our spiritual nationality first, then our natural nationality second. I hope you're getting this today because this is so important and people just don't seem to grasp this today. But this is how we're to live as believers, as exiles and strangers in what's really definitely a digital Babylon.
Now, let me get to point number two, and I've taken quite a bit of time on that, but I think this will help you. Number two, cultivate your separation, not your inclusion. We seem to be so hell-bent on being inclusive today and, and getting included and accepted when actually the Bible calls for separation. And here, when we read in 1 Peter, it talks about pagans. There's a distinctive separation. We're not like other people. We don't just have a different point of view to them. And, you know, we're slightly different. And, you know, we can all get along. And really, let's just overlook those things. No, no, no. God can't coexist with idols. And we can't coexist. We've got to realize we've got to be separate and not keep trying to look at how to be included. So many churches have thrown away their doctrine because they want to be included. They want to be accepted. But Jesus says we should cultivate our separation. He says sanctify them. In other words, keep them separate, not include them. You know, so many believers are trying to be included, but in the Old Testament, we can see even God can't coexist with other entities and deities and other beliefs. Let me remind you in 1 Samuel chapter 5 and verse 1, and it says that the Philistines here captured the ark of God. The presence of God was in that ark where God decided to dwell on the earth. And it says they took it from the battleground at Ebenezer to the town of Ashdod. They carried the ark of God into the temple of Dagon and placed it beside an idol of Dagon. It says, but when the citizens of Ashdod went to see it the next morning, Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground in front of the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him in his place again. But the next morning, the same thing happened. Dagon had fallen down before the ark of the Lord again. This time his head and hands had broken off and were lying in the doorway. Only the trunk of his body was left intact. You see, God can't even coexist with idols. But we as Christians are trying to coexist. We're wanting to, these fancy slogans. We're trying to be so kind and loving. No, you have to cultivate your separation because you're an exile and a stranger. That doesn't mean animosity. It just means saying, sorry, we can't adopt that. No, sorry, we hold to a different value system. Instead of trying to fit in and not be offensive. You know, that's Old Testament, but look at it in the New Testament. Paul is blatant about it, and he uses similar language. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. He's not talking about marriage, he's talking about the principle. And he says, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship, harmony, friendship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? You know, we're still willing to accommodate unbelievers. They don't believe that God created us. They don't believe we're on the planet with a purpose. They don't believe that there's a heavenly father and that Christ the Savior. And, and now we're trying to fit in and we, we don't want to offend you. No, no, no. There's no harmony here. We must cultivate our separation, not our inclusion. He goes on to say, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? Now, listen, we're the temple of God. Because he goes on to say, for we are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore come out from them and be separate, says the Lord, touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. So very clearly, inclusion is not what we should be cultivating exclusion we should be kept separate apart to God because sanctification means kept apart for God's divine purposes but now we're trying to be included all the time no 
We, 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 people say, well, you, you'll never reach the lost. Yes, you will. You've got to come out before you can reach in. And so it's extremely important that we understand these principles. And no doubt, I'm sure you're sitting at home or where you're listening to it going, yes, 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 but, well, the scripture is very clear as to who we are and how we live on the earth. We are exiles and strangers. Don't allow digital Babylon to bully you and colonize you into its way of thinking. Paul Nyquist wrote a fantastic book. It's called Prepare, Living Your Faith in an Increasingly Hostile Culture. And he said this, he said, because we stand apart from the world as it has become, because we are different, because we bear Christ's name, and because we expose the world's sin, we have become a hated people. You see, it's not so much what you say or do, it's actually who we are and what we hold dear that is the challenge. And Jesus explained it so beautifully. I love this in John chapter 3 because we're always trying to make churches seeker sensitive and we're trying to accommodate the, you know, they don't understand and, and you know, we, mustn't be, we must be loving. Well, Jesus put it very bluntly and very clearly in John chapter 3. This is Jesus speaking, let me remind you. And he says here, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds we're evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. We've been trying to change our churches and adapt everything so that people, you know, will come in and they won't feel uncomfortable and we don't want to say anything on social media in case people get upset. No, no, no. People want darkness rather than light. And when they want light, that's when they get saved. And that's when they get separated. That's when they become spiritually citizens of heaven. And we mustn't try and blend it all together because there's a spiritual separation. We're exiles and strangers. And we really, really have to cultivate our separation, not our inclusion. Can I encourage you on social media to not keep chasing followers and likes and on Facebook, Facebook friends, but rather to, to, to just pursue God. And even with TikTok now, everybody wants their video to go viral. Jesus didn't want to go viral. We don't need to be liked by everybody. Let's stand separate instead of trying to be included. Number three, the third thing today, and I know this is a challenge to you, but this is important teaching in times like this where all of us are basically on our social media platforms far too much. Cultivate cultural wisdom and discernment. You see, when Daniel and his friends went into Babylon, this is what they did. They knew what they should adopt and what they should reject. They knew what they could embrace and what they should shun. They knew what was good and what was not. And we need to watch everything with discernment. We need wisdom and discernment. When we're on social media, we need wisdom and discernment. Run it through the grid of God's word. We need to, even when we watch movies and documentaries, we need to ask ourselves, who is producing this? What philosophy is behind this? Is it anti-biblical? It sounds so loving and kind and generous and it, and it seems to promote the planet and it seems to promote the welfare of the poor. But is this biblical? What is the agenda before I jump onto this and allow it to colonize me? I need to think and have wisdom and discernment. And Daniel and his friends did that. They chose what they would allow. They allowed their names to be changed, their clothing to be changed. But when it came to their prayer lives and their biblical beliefs, they were unmoved and they resolved 
not to go down that road. I do believe that we're living in a digital Babylon that has invaded our lives, invaded our homes and our thinking, but we've got to remember that we're exiles and strangers, and often these platforms are not our friends. Now, there's a very interesting man by the name of Jaron Lanier. He's an American writer. He's a scientist. He actually works for Microsoft. And he's also a musician and composer. Quite an interesting man. Brilliant mind. He's known as the father of uh, virtual reality because in 1985, he was the first one to develop a company that had those goggles for virtual reality and the gloves. And so he's like a pioneer in that area. And as I said, he's a scientist with Microsoft. And he's written a book. His latest book is written several. But his latest book is called 10 Arguments for deleting your social media accounts right now. Now, let me just say this up front. I haven't deleted my social media accounts, but he makes a very important case. Having been involved in all this and having worked for Microsoft, he's saying something very important that we need to pay attention to. And in the book, he suggests that social networks are designed to achieve dysfunction in our lives. It creates a form of addiction, he says, that serves the interests of the tech companies, not of you and I. And of the 10 reasons he gives, one of them he gives is, he says it's a spiritual reason. Now, his view of spirituality is different, but he talks about the tech companies in a religious context. And let me quote it for you. He says, social media is continuous behavior modification on a mass basis with everyone under surveillance by their devices and receiving calculated stimulus to modify them. He says this, it's a bad religion. That's why I called it spiritual. It's a nerdy, empty, sterile, ugly, useless religion that's based on false ideas. Quite a, quite a statement, I mean, having been involved. Then he goes on to say a little bit more about how he thinks about this and some of the results of studies that have been done. He says, every example I know of where someone has done research on those who have deleted their accounts, they have found on the whole that almost everyone feels better, healthier, more connected, better informed. They feel they have more free time and they are more fulfilled. He goes on to say, I think it's really urgent that since a lot of people have grown up in a system that was really designed to benefit a few people at the tops of few companies, they should question whether this thing which is so important in their lives, is really serving them or not. In other words, you think you need this, you can't do without it, everyone's doing it. He's saying digital Babylon is shaping you and they're using this information to sell you things, to influence you, to get you to kind of serve them. And you need to take stock and think about whether this is actually serving you or not. And I think like Daniel and his friends, in Babylon, they made that decision. They used wisdom. They viewed the culture and, and used discernment. We need to do exactly the same. In another study in Denmark, 1,000 participants who quit Facebook for one week were, were surveyed, and this is what they said. They reported significant increases in their level of life satisfaction. They also discovered that frequent Facebook users we're more likely than those who use it less often to feel angry. So if you use it a lot, you've got more angry. 20% versus 12%. So if you use it a lot, 20% angry. Then depressed. They were more depressed than those who didn't use it. And worried, more people, 54% 
were worried versus 41% who didn't use it as frequently. So clearly these platforms and these media are affecting the behavior and attitude of people, their values and their mood. We've got to be culturally discerning and we really need to use divine wisdom and we need to think and evaluate the propaganda, the fake news, all the stuff that's coming at us and we jump on it and we get set off. Daniel and his friends stepped back from us. They stepped back from it so much that they were persecuted. Remember, Daniel was put into a lion's den. Why? Because he refused to stop praying. In countries like America, they've stopped people from praying in schools. They've removed crosses from public places. They've even during COVID stopped people from singing and, and getting together to worship. Now, not just out of safety reasons. There's massive pressure from digital Babylon for us to accommodate and to flow with all these things. But Daniel steps back and he faces hungry lions. And today we get all afraid if people come against us, but we really need to use wisdom and not compromise. Paul writing to the Philippians goes on and speaks about this theme just a little bit more. And he encourages the church at Philippi and he says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. So, well, you need to be goody two-shoes. No, no, no. What does worthy mean? And he goes on a bit further in the book of Philippians chapter 3 and in verse 19. And he contrasts us with people who live in the world. And he says their God is their appetite or plural appetites because that's how people live. He says they brag about shameful things. And that's our challenge today. And he says, and they think only about this life here on earth, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. So we really need wisdom and discernment as to what we should be supporting and endorsing. I hope you're getting this today. Two more things I want to share. Number four, cultivate an unwavering commitment to Christ. Don't try and be in the world and in the church, in the world and in the kingdom. Cultivate an unwavering commitment. I belong to Jesus and I'm committed to him. And if he says tough things in his word, well, I stick with that because I'm committed to him. Unwavering commitment. That's what Daniel and his friends had, an unwavering commitment to God. Erwin Litzer, the author, said this. He said, the day of the casual Christian is over. No longer is it possible to drift along, hoping that no tough choices will have to be made. You see, in the time of Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there wasn't just a bit of criticism if you differed. These men, his three friends, were put into the fire. Why? Because they wouldn't bow down. They were so committed to the God they served that they could not yield. So they were cast into a fiery furnace. Today, if we just get a little bit of heat, we backtrack, we apologize, we send out messages in case our prophets are affected. No, we need to be people who take a stand and say, sorry you feel that way. You can put us in the fire. We don't care. And you know, when, when they were coerced, this is what they said. Our God is able to save us, but even if he doesn't, in other words, comfort is not our measure. We will be unwavering in our commitment to God because these are the values we ascribe to. We are exiles and strangers. We are not Babylonians, and we will not be colonized by Babylon. You know, Christians today are so easily put off, and they want, want to be right with men, but we need to be right with God. A.W. Tozer, the great revivalist, said this. He said to be right with God as often meant to be in trouble with men. And I believe the time has come 
for us to take a stand and to go through the fire, even if it means that we diametrically differ with people and the heat is on, let's be like those young men in Babylon and not allow digital Babylon to make us bow and to get us to serve. You know, we've forgotten that there's a thing called persecution. We think of it as China, you know, they persecuted in China or in Nigeria, they're killing Christians and they're going into Christian schools and shooting Christians. No, persecution happens here and it happens on digital Babylon. And the Bible reminds us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul speaking to Timothy. And he says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We will clash with our culture. And he says, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Persecution is a reality and we need to stand up to it. And we need to be people who say, you know what? We are going to be totally committed to God no matter what people say. No matter what the value system, no matter what the common narrative of digital Babylon, we will not be triggered by it. We will take the heat. One of the great theologians, a man called Jeffrey Bromley, he gave a definition of persecution. And I want to read it to you today so you understand what we're facing in this modern world in the place where we currently live. He says, persecution is the suffering or pressure, mental, moral, or physical, which authorities, individuals, or crowds inflict on others, especially for opinions or beliefs, with a view to their subjection by recantation, silencing, or at a last resort, execution. He said, well, we've heard of the martyrs. No, no, no. We've got what we call a cancel culture today. Just you dare say something that people don't like. They will go online and cancel you out, write you off. And guess what they're doing? They're trying to shame you for what you believe. Well, Daniel and his three friends didn't care. They were completely committed to God. And we need to have an unwavering commitment to Christ, even if people don't like us, because we're exiles and strangers, and we need to understand what digital Babylon is actually trying to do to us. Number five, the fifth thing today is cultivate strong, sound beliefs. Screens are trying to teach us today what to believe, what to think, how to behave, but we need to know what we believe. In the book of Daniel, it says of Daniel that he knew what to believe because he studied the scriptures. Let me remind you in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 2, he says in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet. We need to hold on to the Bible. We need to know what the scriptures say about who we are and what God says and what his values are. And we need to cultivate a strong, sound belief. Not just strong beliefs, they could be wrong, but sound beliefs because there's so many ideas out there. As I come to a close, let me mention this book by Jeff Myers. It's called The Secret Battle of Ideas About God. And in the book, he warns us. He says this, and I want you to pay attention here today. We live in a time of war. There are no soldiers in this battle. Yet attacks occur every minute of every day. The battle we're in is a battle of ideas. We catch ideas from church, from culture, from family, and from friends. And then he says, billboards, speeches, songs, video clips, TikTok if you like, memes, pictures, Facebook posts, and lines from movie dialogue all present us with fragments of ideas that assemble themselves in our minds. Now, here's, here's where it gets challenging. The battles we face are more like germ warfare 
than military warfare. They're not easy to detect. And he says that's because bad ideas are like viruses. Bad ideas can multiply out of control like the spread of a virus that becomes a pandemic. Well, we all know what that's like. We are facing a pandemic at the moment in our world and you can't see it, but it's infecting people and the same is happening in the minds and hearts of Christians and of people throughout the world. Ideas are being spread and people don't have strong, sound beliefs. They don't put their spiritual citizenship first. They haven't got wisdom and cultural discernment and they want to be included instead of separated as God intends. And so I want to encourage you today as I come to a close, would you make a fresh commitment to God as a Christian? Would you say, Lord, come hell or high water, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to put my spiritual nationality first. I'm going to be committed to Jesus and I'm going to hold on to my beliefs and I'm not going to seek to be liked and seek to be approved by digital Babylon I will not be colonized I will be committed and I will serve God we hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message 